This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Well, they may do it this weekend. We're Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. ESPN Radio, ESPNU at Vegas East today. Bristol. <laughs> Vegas East. Here's the thing, and I'm just listening to the rejoin and what I said. They're not going to win a Super Bowl unless Brock Purdy can can do what I just said he needs to do, which is evolve beyond the X's and O's. Because I, I think he's going to have to – I hate to frame it this way, but I think he's going to have to bail Kyle Shanahan out of some calls because we've seen Kyle Shanahan tense up and tighten up in some really big spots. So if he has the same exact game that he had against the Lions, against the Chiefs, come from behind, down 17 at half, clearly had a good game in the latter half of the game – you're leaving on Sunday night, and we're getting on the air on, on Monday morning, and you're saying what about Brock Purdy? I'm saying that Brock Purdy is probably a top six, seven quarterback in the NFL. And I think the window for the San Francisco 49ers gets extended beyond just the upcoming season, but you're probably talking about a two- or three-year shelf life just because you'll be able to have Brock Purdy at a below-market value. Like, you know what I'm saying? So even if you pay Brock Purdy after the 2024 season, it's going to be an extension, which means that the real money in the contract doesn't kick in until 2026. So that's the window that you would have to compete for championships with this core of players. Those are the stakes for the San Francisco 49ers. That's how the outlook for this team changes if Brock Purdy can deliver on Sunday. If he had the exact same game as the NFC Championship game, I think our perception of him would change because he had a couple really big runs in that second half that really shifted the dynamic and momentum of that game. Yeah. So if he could do that not only in a come-from-behind win in the NFC Championship game versus the Lions and the Packers previously and then do it again in the Super Bowl, don't you think that those performances strung together will do a lot to change the way we view him? Sure, but I, I don't think that needs to be their formula to try to win on Sunday. Oh, I don't think going, it should they, be. They're going, they're going up against a much better defense, and they're going up against a different animal at quarterback. This ain't Jared Goff. This ain't Jordan Love. With respect to those dudes, this is Patrick Mahomes. And the Kansas City Chiefs defense is by far and away the best defense that the 49ers are going to play or have played in the playoffs. So I don't think they're going to be able to have that margin for error, which is why I get a little bit concerned about the complexion of the game and that that being detrimental to the 49ers being able to stick to the plan on what they have to do in order to put themselves in position to win this game. I want to hear. Uh, I want us to hear what Jeff Saturday had to say on Get Up yesterday in a second, but I want to play out one other scenario. Is there a scenario in your heads that you could look at and say, we're going to come in here on Monday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern and say Brock Purdy was the singular reason why the Niners won the game. Defense didn't play that well. Specials were kind of spotty. McCaffrey didn't have his normal game. That if not for Purdy, they don't win that game. That not only is he getting credit, he's getting Brady and Mahomes-like credit. Not equating those guys as players, but I'm equating the credit we would give. Is there any scenario where you guys could see that happening? Yeah, down one, a minute to go, one time out, and you've got to drive, let's call it, 40 yards to get in the field goal range. Then you'll come in on Monday and, and they, say, and okay, they, and they this guy just jumped up. He jumped. I had him 10. I'll put him 7 now. What he just did allows me to put him above X, Y, and Z. Yeah, if he's down down, down one or two points or even if it's a tie game and he's got a chance to win it and they go out there and win it, yeah, I would say that that's the scenario. Very similar to what we saw in Tom Brady and his first Super Bowl win over the St. Louis Rams, right? 
that was the situation. Drove the team into field goal range. Added Vinatieri, kicked the field goal, and then so the legend begins. I feel like that's that's the path that it would take for me to believe that Brock Purdy is beyond just a game manager. And I know game manager gets a knock, but every quarterback is a game manager at Thank some you. point. But I, I just, but I would say that he would show me that he has that that different facet to his game, being able to be a game changer. If that exact scenario that you just outlined plays out and he does it against this defense and against Steve Spagnuolo, who's one of the best big game defensive coordinators we've seen in our lives, if you're not giving him more credit, then you're just a hater. Then you just want confirmation bias from what you said about him prior. Agreed. Absolutely agree. You know, one other thing on on the game you mentioned, the first Brady Super Bowl, it's rare to say the game broadcast can factor into someone's legend and the story, but that specific game broadcast is actually really important because John Madden is one of the greatest football minds ever. And on that broadcast, when when they decide to go and, and not just take a knee and go to overtime, Madden says, no, they shouldn't do that. It's a mistake. And Brady goes down and has the, and leads his team to the game-winning field goal. And that was just a huge moment in the, like, wow, Brady proved Madden wrong, and Madden knows more football than everyone combined. Jeff Saturday yesterday was on Get Up and talked about what Brock Purdy specifically can do for Kyle Shanahan's legacy and perception. When you think about Brock Purdy, this is this could be his Patrick Mahomes, right, for Andy Reid. And I say it this way. He couldn't get over the hump at Andy Reid. He was 11-13 and 13 before Mahomes comes in. Now, Mahomes takes it and elevates this thing. So if they found their guy, I mean, he went all in on him. Shanahan went all in on Purdy. He's your guy. All of a sudden, you win the Super Bowl. You now become what Andy Reid was six years ago to what Shanahan now is a Super Bowl champion who's gone twice and with two different teams. Are you comparing Brock Purdy to Patrick Mahomes? I just did. And I didn't say as a player, but I said as what could help his coach go from a really good coach to a Hall of Fame coach overnight. Can I quote Jeff Saturday? Yeah. Are you high? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Are you high? You're on that good good. Uh, On that good good. As Jeff would say, he's on that good good. Or as Marcus would say, he's on that yak. <laughs> He's on Hearing Greeny say that is, is He's amazing. On the yak. On the yak. I don't think, maybe I'm wrong, I don't think Jeff was comparing Purdy to Mahomes. I think what he was doing was comparing the fact that Andy Reid in Philadelphia never got over the hump. His system's amazing. He finds the guy that can run literally any system in Mahomes, and he runs it to perfection. Kyle Shanahan's system, which his dad ran prior to some extent, has been really good for really long. Maybe this is the guy that gets him over the hump because Matt Ryan wasn't and Jimmy G wasn't. And I'm not trying to knock those guys. I, I don't think what Jeff said was that crazy, although the internet seems to think it is. Well, it's the impact on the legacy, right? Because who was Andy Reid before he got to Patrick Mahomes? He was the coach that couldn't win the big one. Same yes. with Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy, so it's not wrong. I just think the better comparison is Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Why? Because Tom Brady was developed by Bill Belichick because of the – the culture and the environment that Belichick was able to create. But Belichick needed Tom Brady in order to win a championship. Belichick was a failed head coach in Cleveland. We we can't have revisionist history. We have to call it like we see it. He was a failed head coach in Cleveland. But he was able to get to New England. He created an environment and a culture that developed Tom Brady. And Tom Brady gave you the return on that investment by being able to ascend to championship heights. Like, I think that is by far the better comparison because when you consider how Brock came into the league, when you consider the team that he came into, the culture that he came into, a te- an organization that had already been to a Super Bowl in recent years, it feels a, it feels very similar 
to the early 2000s with the New England Patriots. Now, we'll see if Brock Purdy can finish the drill on Sunday, but to me, that's the better comparison. Yeah, he's going to hopefully be somebody that helps unlock that next level of legacy for Kyle Shanahan and shifts the way that we perceive him. And I don't know if he'll be able to go on and have the longevity that some of these other guys have had. That's TBD. Maybe he is just that much better than we expect him to be. Because right now, when I hear you comparing him to Mahomes and Brady, I know the context is different, but it's still really hard for me to go there. Sure. But I think that it will enhance Kyle Shanahan's legacy and the fact that because we don't give Brock Purdy that much credit, because we want to look at all the talent around him, we're going to look at Kyle Shanahan if they win this game and say he was able to take Mr. Irrelevant develop him to the point where he could win a Super Bowl. I think that's going to be more of the top-line conversation than 28-3 ever will or any of the other unfortunate postseason moments that Kyle Shanahan has had. I think this will be the thing that we always point to. I think sports fans and football fans in general, like we have to be capable of comparing circumstances and not players. Because what you just did, CeCe, was compare the circumstance into what Brock Purdy walked into and what Tom Brady walked into. Those are extremely similar. The players are not, right? We're not comparing the players. And I think when Jeff made those comments yesterday, the initial reaction was thinking that the players were being compared. That's not what happened. It It was actually, in my opinion, the circumstances of the head coaches prior to that person's arrival that were being compared. Yeah, we're comparing the coaches. And, right. and what they were before their quarterbacks. But people got took there. it as the comparison of the quarterbacks, it's which not, is not it's what a it was. Of the coaches. Correct. Because they were all coaches that couldn't win the big one. Mm-hmm. You know? And in the instance with Bill Belichick couldn't get to the big one. So like that's that's what we're talking about. And and you know, your hope you're hoping if you're a 49ers fan that Brock Purdy can be that missing key in terms of your team being able to take all of this talent and have it translate into a championship. And with the window starting to wane in terms of being able to keep this group together, I think the the urgency and the pressure gets ratcheted up. And those haven't been the moments where we've seen Kyle Shanahan at his best, which is why we all have this concern. And so going into this game, everybody's thinking, well, how is Kyle Shanahan going to manage the game for Brock Purdy? And I look at it as the opposite. How is Brock Purdy going to save Kyle Shanahan from himself? I get what the narrative will be, and you're not wrong, Smalls. The narrative will be, if the 49ers win, that Kyle Shanahan made Brock Purdy. But it's in this instance where I think Brock Purdy is going to have to overcome his head coach as well as beating the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think he's capable of that? Overcoming I, Shanahan? I, I, don't, I don't know. That, I that, that, that's the scary... I do? don't. I don't know. You don't know. You do. And that's why. And that's why I want to see him win in this spot. Because I don't that know. Is if the, he can that is the that is the big question mark that I have. You know, like, like Bill Belichick had this old adage: "Good players can overcome bad coaching." I'm not saying Kyle is a bad coach, but when Kyle is not at his best, and the other team, when Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola are at their best, when Steve Spagnola has on the perfect play call, can Brock Purdy overcome? not being in the perfect situation, not having the perfect personnel on the field. Can he overcome Kyle not being at his best? I do not know the answer to that question, and that's what I'm going to be watching for in this Super Bowl. Now, conversely, I will say this. We, we keep talking about the hypothetical if the 49ers win. I'm looking at this situation also. If the 49ers lose, who is it harder to get off the mat for? Kyle. Kyle Shanahan or Brock Purdy? Kyle, because I think people revert back to, well, he's Mr. Irrelevant. What did you expect? Not fair, and I'm not going to do that because I can't prop him up and then call him Mr. Irrelevant. I'm not going to do that. But I think it's probably Shanahan because he has other examples of this happening before. This would be the third example, second as a head coach. But again, we're comparing the circumstances right, of the coaches leading into this. And it's amazing. Just thinking aloud here, 
the amount of coaches that would be similar to Andy Reid in Philadelphia, Kyle Shanahan if he doesn't win, and then they or if he does, and then they find the right person to go. Like I'm thinking about, we have Bobby Marks coming in in a couple of minutes here to talk NBA. Mike Budenholzer, great coach in Atlanta. You know what? It's a lot easier to win when you find Giannis. Bruce Bochy in baseball, he was awesome with the Padres. You know when he was a lot better? When he got to the Giants yep. and they had great players. Even Joe Torre, who's known as an unbelievable all-time manager. We're not talking about his Cardinals days or his Mets days as a manager. We talk about when he found the right circumstances. Yep. That's the comparison that Jeff Saturday made. It's not comparing Mahomes to Purdy. It's comparing the coach that or manager that we know is really good that found the right circumstance. And that's the question. Is Purdy the right circumstance for him going into Sunday? Coming up. Bobby Marks will join us. We will talk NBA trade deadline today, 3 p.m. Eastern. We're on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Trade deadline today. NBA, 3 p.m. Eastern. NBA Today has the special beginning at 1 p.m. Eastern. The Woj Pod all week long. Adrian Wojnarowski and our guest, Bobby Marks, who is here. You said, hey. the, you said the other day you're going to be disappointed with the lack of movement conversation on the pod. <laughs> Yesterday we got trades, not exactly the ones that we're all excited about. But give us the team right now that you're most paying attention to leading up to the deadline. Philadelphia. Why? I think if they have to be careful because they could be looking up in April as a playing team. How they've played. I think they're 4-11 and 11 since with no Joel Embiid. They've been non-competitive. They were non-competitive last night against Golden State, Brooklyn, uh, Dallas. Um, they're kind of walking this fine line of having flexibility this offseason, cap space, um, having draft picks right now to go out and do a deal, and Joel Embiid could be back. We don't know, and he could be looking at okay. Now I got to be, I got to win to just get into the playoffs and get Boston in in the first round here. So I think they have to be careful here. But as you guys know, I mean, it takes a partner, dance partner, and if you want to dance, you got to get to find a partner here, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, and so I said like yesterday, like sh- Chicago would be for me. Like I would be like, hey, what? How much does it cost for Demar Derozan? How much does it cost for Andre Drummond? Guys like that and. Chicago is um, is interesting, and uh, Chris and I were talking about it. The hard part in the, re- in the regular season making trades is you're you're um, relying on emotion. Mm. You're relying on emotion of playing good basketball or winning against Minnesota here, and you don't want to part ways with you know maybe take a step back. But you're the ninth seed, right? You're fighting mm. just to get in here, and um, so we'll see. What, I think, but Philadelphia for me because they got a they got a lot eleven expiring contracts. They've got some flexibility with draft picks. Bobby, you know I'm a diehard Lakers fan, and I heard Woj yesterday talk about the prospects of a Lakers trade and knowing that D'Angelo Russell would have to be a piece in that, and there's some apprehension within the organization about trading D'Angelo Russell because of how well he's played in recent weeks. 
Please tell me that's not the case. Please tell me. <laughs> I, please tell me that's not why the Lakers could potentially not make a move at the deadline. I think a lot. I think it's more that you know when you look at the, what draft picks they have. Okay. It's and I think you're really limited right now. You have a 2029 first, which is mm-hmm. five years from now, and you've got a couple seconds. And then it's a process of elimination when you look at your roster. You're not trading AD. You're not trading LeBron, Austin Reeves, um, Jared Vanderbilt's hurt. Um, who else do you have? So it's D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura. Um, the crazy part is they've they've uh, there's only four guys on this current roster that was on the roster December of 2022. So they've they've continually tried to turn over this roster here. What scares teams a little bit with Russell is he's got another year left. Um, he's got a player option for next year. So if you're Atlanta, that's not quite appealing, especially when you only have one first round pick to trade. And remember, Atlanta traded for Dejounte Murray, cost him two unprotected first. And a pick swap, and those picks haven't even come to fruition yet. Bobby, you said LeBron's not going anywhere. If you were in the Lakers front office, would you even consider it? Yeah, I would have. I, you know, because here's the thing: if we, if they were in the Eastern Conference, I could say, you know what, this thing is wide open, man. That that Western Conference is brutal right now. Um, and I, and of course, it would have to be for him coming, him him coming to the you know Rob Plink and say, hey. We're not going to win a championship this year. I want to go win a championship. Find me a home here. And I and I understand there's a lot more just to it, but um I would I would I mean they've played better basketball of late, but I would have, you know, I would have considered that um and then I would have said, "You know what? Opt out of your contract and come back and resign with us Hello. in the off season." Hello. Right? Like can work out for both of us here. That's definitely the CC plan. We're talking, we're, we're talking with Bobby Marks. You set me up for that. No. We just talked about it on the show. We're talking with Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. So it is Super Bowl week. Obviously, let's talk about what everyone's talking about, the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> they are a team that I'm looking at today that if they decide to make moves, they actually could be a huge swing team. Tell us about them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they have a new owner. So that's a wild card, mm-hmm. right? When you have new ownership... That is the ultimate wild card because this is their first time at this right now. So you look at, uh, I don't think anything's going to happen with Miles Bridges, who's played, um, he's, I think he has back-to-back 40-point games. Mind, yeah. And then there's other things that come with it, right? He still has a pending legal case, the domestic um, violence that um, he pleaded no contest to. Keep an eye out for P.J. Washington, um, who's got a couple years left on his contract. Dallas, potentially, as a team. Gordon Hayward. Is an is another player who's you know hasn't been able to stay on the court here, but um, they're trying to go back and, and add draft picks. You saw it with the Terry Rozier trade, kind of taking a steal on a page what Oklahoma City has has done here. Bobby, if there was ever a year for the New York Knicks to go for with yeah. those eight first round draft picks that they can trade, this is the year. Like this is the year. I know they made the move for OG Ananobi a few weeks ago, but. This is the time where you have to add, especially with Julius Randle dealing with the shoulder injury. Do you anticipate the Knicks trying to get aggressive ahead of the 3 p.m. deadline? The most important man in New York is Evan Fournier. Mm. He's got he's got the, the his contract is the, is their trade chip as far as he's got a team option for next year. It's 19 million. You mentioned eight first, 11 seconds too. So you have the the the, the picks to go out. I'm concerned with New York as far as where these minutes are going to be with the Randall injury and Anobi. We'll see what happens with Brunson. Playoff minutes in uh, in mid February is, is a little bit dangerous here. They've gotten by beating you know, Memphis, um, but I, Bruce Brown 
is a, a name to keep an eye on in Toronto. That would certainly help. Um, mm-hmm. You give you some guard depth uh, there. I don't think Malcolm Brogdon in Portland, um, but I do think New York will be active. Um, you know, trying to get something done. What do you expect from the Celtics? Well, they made the Xavier Tillman trade yesterday. And so here's an interesting thing. This is for a group of nine teams. We're kind of in this use it or lose it scenario here, right? So we've got these harsh restrictions that are going to come place in April. These second apron teams, these high spending teams, Boston is one of that. They have a $6.2 million trade exception. That goes away once we get past the trade deadline. They've got $7 million in cash. That's not going to be available when we get to mid-April here. So you're kind of forced to use all that right now. I think you still need a big wing. Um, I'd say Najee Marshall in New Orleans. Not the sexiest name out there, but a name that can kind of give you um, can give you some bench support. But at the end of the day, Tatum and Brown, right? Tatum and Brown in big moments, that's what you're going to be relying on. But um, their ownership is not afraid to spend. They, they've shown that um, – over the last couple of years here. So I think they'll be active. They've got six seconds and they're one of those teams that everyone doesn't have first round picks, but they still have a, a bunch of first to go out and, and do something. Yeah. You just brought up the ownership, governorship in the league. That's the key with that, right? If you're going to use the trade exception, yeah. it's not a basketball thing. They're going to want to use it. It's, it's a multiplier of how many times 6 million. What does that cost you? 18? Yeah. That's the, that's the, the, the beauty of it. Oh, not the beauty of it. <laughs> <laughs> For you yeah, as a basketball I mean, listen, guy, fine, like, but... if you're, if you're a team out there, if you're golden state or if you're, um, you know, or the Clippers, these high spending teams, and you want to trade for, you know, a five million dollar player and not take back anything, it costs you twenty. I mean, mm-hmm. I, we dealt with that in New Jersey with uh, we were going to get Jordan Hill in a trade. This was way back when, and it would have cost us forty million dollars for three months. Better hope that your coach is going to play him. Yeah, that's anyway, what I would say. <laughs> One last thing with Bobby, but I just want to plug uh, on yesterday's Woj Pod with Bobby. Told a couple of great stories about Keith Van Horn and Keith Bogans. Those are names you haven't heard in a while. But when you bring up money, that's just that's a teaser. Go to the ESPN app or anywhere you get your podcast. But I want to bring up one other thing before we go here. Give us a wild card. We're not holding you to this. Is there a team or a player that you're like? I don't know. Maybe they do something with this guy or something like that. Well, I think it always comes back to, De- to uh, Dejounte Murray in Atlanta. Uh, we Woj and I talked about it last night. in New Orleans, right? And everyone said, "Wait a minute, is it going to cost you CJ McCollum?" And no, I don't think it would. Um, I think it would, you know, certainly salary filler and draft picks and everything. And I think Atlanta is in that situation where Chicago is. Like, I don't see it getting much better. You're going to continually be a below 500 team here. So I would circle Atlanta, DeJounte Murray. Um, that's probably your biggest your your biggest name out there. Bobby, we'll be all over ESPN and ESPN Radio's coverage today. Woj Pod as well. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, coming up, uh, NFL Awards tonight. Hall of Fame yeah. tonight. We'll predict who's getting in, who's going to be on the outside looking in next. Sun Sportsman Like, presented by Progressive Insurance. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. They're not going to catch him. McCaffrey takes it to the house. I think he's the most complete back in football. It's just a matchup nightmare. Who's the best running back in the game? I am. Hand off McCaffrey right into the end zone. I'm not going to sit here and give MVP talk, but Chris McCaffrey is one of the best running backs in the entire league. Well, there's going to be MVP talk tonight. NFL Honors Awards Hall of Fame being announced. Guys, I have to go to Nuno, our producer, on something here. Oh. What up? Because I want to know, are Smalls and CC going to be held accountable for every pick they're about to make, or are we just going to say, if they get it wrong, they get it wrong? See, normally I would hold Canty accountable, but because he's going to be in the studio again tomorrow and he has access to me, no, nah, he's good. All right, nah. Smalls held accountable <laughs> yeah, or not for this? No, nah, she's good. Thank okay. You. So so you're not making any picks? You won't well, be no, I'm, I have to I have to lead into this. I'm gonna I can make picks too. Him he'll hold we me accountable. Holding, yeah, we're yeah of course. Of course. Yeah. Being held Him, accountable. Yeah. I thought there was talk of a cold tub. There was talk of a cold tub. Hmm. There was. There it's was. actually not bad outside, I heard. <laughs> there, there's talk of a cold tub. It, we, it's still on the board. It is. It's still on the board. Okay. I, I am hurting, though. I, I, I probably could use one. Our ESPN, okay. our ESPN phone tag bit. Um, are we at halftime? What are we doing? We have the longest <laughs> halftime of all time. It, it is. Between the first and second half. It, it, it is longer tough, than right? Usher. Because like, Mark Jones is out on the West Coast. Yes. We've had conversations. and. and and scheduling-wise, it's a little tough. Uh, I might be at the point where we're like, Mark, just uh, record a message, say, thanks, guys, uh, here's who I'm picking next. So I'm trying to figure out w- what these next steps are. And for those who are unaware, ESPN Phone Tag is when we have ESPN guests on, and they pick the next guest. And our last ESPN guest that we had on RG3, which feels like at least a month ago, <laughs> um, picked Mark Jones. And CC said if he doesn't get it, if Nuno doesn't get it done, he puts him in the cold tub. So, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we'll But he see. is efforting. He's, he's had contact. He's, he's efforting. He's efforting. <laughs> Some That's effort. Good. All right, here we go. Uh, I'm going to give you the award. I guess I'll pick it too. You guys tell me who's going to win, who's going to win. The two of you will not be held accountable, and I will be. Great. All right, AP Most Valuable Player. Your nominees are Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy. You had me at Lamar Jackson. All right, I agree. Small? Same, Lamar Jackson. All right, Defensive Player of the Year. Deron Bland, Max Crosby, <laughs> yeah, sell it Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons. He'll talk about it too. And TJ Watt. I'll take door number three, Miles Garrett. Oh, are you? Yeah. I'm going to go TJ Watt. Okay. I'm going to take Miles Garrett as well. Offensive Player of the Year. Your nominees are Tyreek Hill. From the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, CeeDee Lamb, Christian McCaffrey, and Dak Prescott. It's Christian McCaffrey, CMC. CMC all the way. CMC. Uh, the rookie of the year. The Lions have two. Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta. 
Puka Nakua from the Rams, or as I said earlier in the season, Nuka Pakua, Bijan Robinson, <laughs> you know his name now, and C.J. Stroud. Nuka Pakua, you yeah, call them? Uh, yeah, I can't. You don't remember I did that? I, I got it backwards I like week two. I didn't think you were going to do it again, though. Oh, if I get it wrong, you got to lean in. Come on, you can't avoid it. <laughs> he made sure that you're always going to get his yeah. name right. Well, speaking of getting it wrong, year. the Carolina Panthers got it wrong because uh. they took Bryce Young. They should have took. The offensive rookie of the year is going to be C.J. Stroud. 4,108 yards, 23 touchdowns. Ooh. Yep. Uh, Led or, the league in or, yards per game. Yep. So there you go. Or, I, that's that's an easy one. Although Puka Nakua is a rookie of the year literally every other year, maybe in NFL history, outside of this with C.J. Stroud. All right. Defensive rookie of the year. Will Anderson of the Texans. Jalen Carter from the Eagles. Joey Porter Jr. from the Steelers. Kobe Turner from the Rams. Or Smalls' guy from Illinois, Devin Witherspoon, Seahawks. This is going to be really close, but I've been on this guy all year. I'm not going to back off now. I'm going with Jalen Carter. By the way, did you see the ESPN.com redraft of the draft from last year? I think he's still number nine, which yeah, I don't understand how that's possible. Yeah, I saw that. How? I don't understand it. I don't get it. He's not a top five pick when literally nobody in the NFL could defend nobody him? Nobody can block him. They have to double I mean, team him. I mean, block him, yeah. They have to double team him every play. And nobody, there's nobody eight can guys that are not quarterbacks that are better than him from last year's draft? No way That's crazy to it's me. Wild. Smalls? I'm, I'm with CC. I think this one's going to be highly contested. And as much as I would love to go with Devin Witherspoon, my fellow Illini, I got to go with Will Anderson. I think this is the most impossible one. The next one we're going to go with here. Yeah. The comeback player of the year. The nominees are Joe Flacco, DeMar Hamlin, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, and Tua. I just want to put a couple of notes in here on this, okay? Joe Flacco coming off of his couch. Baker Mayfield coming off of almost being out of the league. Matthew Stafford is like the traditional coming off of being injured and then coming back. And Tua, as Smalls has pointed out, maybe the most slept on story is just that he started 17 games. Right? Nobody expected that. Nobody expected that. Plus playoffs. Plus playoffs. Good point. Yeah, plus playoffs. DeMar Hamlin is as much of a real life situation as we've ever had in this sport. So? It's DeMar Hamlin. I mean, the, the optics behind what happened to him on the field, what was it, week 16 in Cincinnati two years ago? You can't get past that. Like, for him to actually have the courage to step foot on a football field again after such a freak accident almost cost him in life, it's it's Damar Hamlin. It's Damar Hamlin, even though so many of these other guys are obviously no very question. deserving in their own, or their own right. I was thinking back to that Damar Hamlin moment and how emotional it was for all of us to watch that. And for him to be able to return in any capacity, I don't know how you don't give him the award. Yeah, they don't stop an NFL game for anything. They stopped an NFL game and canceled it. Yeah. So they canceled an NFL game. That's what I'm saying. They like, canceled an NFL game because of what happened to him. I want to use words here to help us even further the conversation from like changing the words. Lamar, DeMar Hamlin is the comeback person of the year. Yes. If I were just to say comeback player, and you have to do it based on on-field performance. It has to be Joe Flacco. See, I'd say Baker, Baker Mayfield. I would say Baker. Yeah. Baker Joe did Flacco it for an entire on, season. Joe Flacco was on the couch. I know, but like, he did. He Baker was Mayfield chilling. was great from start to finish. I don't know. I would he say awesome. Baker. I don't want to take that away from him, but I think it's a little bit more difficult to put down the snacks in the remote and get off the couch and... Just in general, you could stop right there. Yeah, not even difficult. play football. Just but, but, but here's the thing: Baker was benched for PJ Walker in Carolina. That happened. That that literally happened. And was on the Rams. And then he was traded. <laughs> like I just, like I just, I'm, that happened. Yeah. So I mean, he went from that to being the starting quarterback. 
for the Tampa Bay Bucks and leading them to the playoffs. We thought and two- not just to the playoffs, actual playoff win. Yeah. I hear you, but we also thought Tua's career was over. And he found a way to come That's back fair. and play the entirety of this the season. Fair. That's why I say I think this is the hardest one, yeah. that if you separate comeback person and comeback player, the player list has a lot of guys you could vote for. Yeah. All right, Coach of the Year. Uh, Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryans, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski. I'll go Stefanski. D'Amico Ryans. D'Amico Ryans. It's got to be Stefanski for me. They started five different quarterbacks. They still made the playoffs. They went 11-6. and six. <laughs> I mean, my case for D'Amico Ryans is look at the Houston Texans the three years prior. Which is all the argument that you need. That's it. Hot Done. Mess Express. Hot Mess Express. What about the Hall of Fame? All right, so we're going there now. All right, Hall of Fame finalists tonight. I'm going to give you a name. You tell me if they're going to get in or they're going to be on the outside looking in. Eric Allen, cornerback. No. Out, I say. Uh, Jared Allen, defensive end, I say out. No. Uh, Willie Anderson, offensive tackle. Oof. Very good, but I say no. Yeah, I, I'm, whew, that's tough. Go ahead. Uh, Jari Evans, offensive guard, was excellent, but I'll say no. No. Dwight Franey's interesting. He's interesting, but I don't think he makes it this year in. because there's another pass rusher that will. Uh, Antonio Gates, I would yes. say. And really? Yeah. I, I, I thought no. Okay, he's Rodney in. Harrison, I hope yes. No. But I don't think so. No. Uh, this next one, if he doesn't get in, it just it's ridiculous. Devin Hester. He should be in. He's the greatest return he's guy in the history in. of the sport. As long as we in. have special teams and return guys, the best one ever should be in. I he's agree. Be in. Yeah, he's Tory be in. Holt. In. In. Andre Johnson. In. Julius Peppers. In. in. Fred Taylor. No. Probably out, I no. would say. Reggie Wayne, I'd say out. No. Patrick Willis, he's if he played wait. longer. He's got to wait. Yeah, I don't think he's in. But, but I, I think see, he eventually gets in. He eventually gets in, but he's not going to get in right now. But then he shouldn't be in. I hate that. Like, because it's like, uh, who are you going in with and the other guys and all that kind of stuff? Uh, Darren Woodson, safety. Great, but probably not, right? Probably not. I love, I love Woody, though. I love Darren Woodson, but it's probably not going to get in. So there you go. The, so we got our five. There we go. The Hall of Famers uh, this evening, um, well, potentially uh, getting into the Hall of Fame. Of, we got a lot of wide receivers. We got some firepower on the Let's offensive go. side of the ball. Let's go. Uh, I feel like there may be one more. Can There, there can be one more, right? I feel think like there can be. Yeah. There can be one more, but I think that's the list. Yeah, I don't know. I look at that and I say there may be one if of there was guys. one, If you're asking me to go with one more, I'm going with Dwight Freeney. I'm going with Freeney. That's the one more if you're asking me to go with one more. All right, coming up, we will have CC's power rankings, top five position groups in the Super Bowl. But first, CC has this from Granger. Ah, uh, yes, for the ones who get it done. Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Canty's NFL Power Rankings. All right, CC and Smalls, we got Power Rankings. Top five position groups heading into... Super Bowl 50. Oh, yes. Let's get into it. Oh, Super Bowl music. 
football music, but it's Super Bowl music. Oh, yeah. Because we got the big game on Sunday. All right, so let's get into it. The top position groups going into Super Bowl Sunday. All right, we're going to kick this thing off at number five. Number five. The 49ers linebackers. Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner. Fred Warner is a perennial all-pro, but Dre Greenlaw should be a household name as well. I mean, these guys are versatile. Not only are they run-and-hit linebackers, not only will they come downhill and knock your face mask off in the run game, but what separates them from other linebackers is their ability to cover in the passing game, they have the range that you would expect from a safety, but it's in the body of a linebacker, in the body of a guy that's six foot two, two hundred and forty pounds plus. That's what they're bringing to the party, and so these guys offer Steve Wilkes, defensive coordinator for the 49ers, a tremendous amount of flexibility in terms of the different packages that he can have. He doesn't have to worry about his inside linebackers being a liability in pass coverage with every single defense that he calls. And that's what separates him. That's why those two represent the fifth best position group on the field going into Super Bowl Sunday. Next. Number four. Kansas City Chiefs defensive backs. Trent McDuffie, LeJarrius Sneed. If you don't know him, you should know him. These guys are phenomenal at what they do. In the postseason, they have the second best opponent QBR. It's 45. That means they are lights out. They can lock up and play sticky man coverage. They're also good ball hawks in zone coverage if they've got zone eyes. So these guys can do it all, and that's why Steve Spagnola has a lot of versatility in the different defenses, the different packages that he can have on the field because he's got those two guys that he doesn't have to worry about in pass coverage one-on-one. So that's why he's going to be able to bring five and six men in the pass rush, and he'll be able to disguise it to confuse Brock Purdy because he knows he can erase the top two receivers of that opposing team with those two corners. So the defensive backs for the Kansas City Chiefs, the fourth best position group in the Super Bowl. Next. Number three. 49ers defensive line. Like I know Chase Young has been underwhelming since they traded for him. He's still a guy that has seven and a half sacks on the season. Yeah, underwhelming compared to the what? <laughs> exactly. That's my point. So, I mean, Chase Young is you know, the guy that's kind of been maligned, but you still have a group that features Nicky Bosa, mm-hmm. who's a defensive player of the year candidate in any given year. Then you've got Eric Armstead, who's a double-digit sack guy every single year. Then you've got Javon Hargrave, who's a Super Bowl champion in his own right and a mountain of a man in the middle of that defense. And then you got Javon Kinlaw, former first-round pick, coming off the bench as a rotational player. They have all the ingredients that you need to take over the game. And guess what? In order for them to impact Patrick Mahomes, This is a defensive line that's going to have to do a lot better job of stopping the run. A lot better than we saw against the Green Bay Packers and certainly a lot better than we saw against the Detroit Lions. If they don't do that against Isaiah Pacheco, then this team has no shot at being able to win the game. So in a lot of respects, the winner of the Super Bowl is going to be determined by the 49ers defensive line because if they can't earn the right to rush the passer, which means stopping the run on first and second down, then the Super Bowl is over before it even begins. Next. Number two. The 49ers skill position players. I saw this stat yesterday, and I was absolutely floored. But the San Francisco 49ers are the first team in NFL history with a running back, a tight end, and multiple wide receivers, each with over 1,000 yards from scrimmage in the same season. Let me say that again. The San Francisco 49ers are first team in NFL history with a running back, a tight end, and multiple wide receivers, each with over 1,000 yards from scrimmage in the same season. They have five all-pros on the offensive side of the ball. 
And Debo Samuels didn't make All-Pro this year, but he has been an All-Pro in the past. So if you want to rope him in there, that makes six. They ain't but 11 players on the field. That's how good the skill position players for the San Francisco 49ers are. And I know you, you'd like to bring him up, but my former teammate Kyle Juszczyk is Best a phenomenal fullback, fullback. Yeah. Phenomenal fullback. Like he, he, when he, your fullback is also a weapon and you have Debo, Ayuk, Kittle and CMC, you you've got you the, good good. You, you've got the best <laughs> fullback and the best tailback in all of football. You've got arguably the best tight end in football. Like, you've got a top two tight end in football in yes. George Kittle. Yeah. You have the most the most versatile wide receiver in football in Debo Samuel. And you might have one of the best game breakers in football in Brandon Ayuk. And you have a great decision maker at quarterback. Whether it's, you it's, think he's a great it's, player, he's a great pre- decision maker. It's, it's pretty stacked when you look at what the San Francisco 49ers offense is bringing to the party. That's why they're the second best position group in Super Bowl this Sunday. But there can only be one number one. Mm-hmm. Number one. And that would be the Chiefs quarterback room. It's Patrick Mahomes. Need I say more? Don't really have to say more, no, right? I it's Patrick Mahomes. So that's the list, Smalls. Number one is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs quarterbacks. Number two, the 49ers skill positions. Number three, the 49ers defensive line. Number four, the Chiefs DBs. Number five, the 49ers linebackers. You're my accountability partner. Any objections, any omissions? Uh, No objections, no omissions. Love the list. But as you were going through number two and number one on the list, that to me just illustrates Patrick Mahomes' greatness even further, that he still trumps that collection yeah. of offensive talent that the 49ers Yeah, have. I mean, we're outlining the top position groups in those power rankings. Three of the five are 49ers, right? Mm-hmm. The defensive line, the linebackers, and the skill position players. I mean, that's their front seven, and that's their all the guys that touch the ball on offense. Not to mention Trent Williams, who's also an all-pro. He's awesome. You know, when you gave your number one, you said specifically the Kansas City Chiefs quarterback room, which took me to a horrific place of thinking about something. I want to point out Blaine Gabbard is the backup for Patrick Mahomes. Just in the God forbid scenario, because when you're saying about the room, I'm just saying. Why are we bringing Remember remember the AFC Championship game last year? When Mahomes, wasn't it the AFC title game when Mahomes went out and Chad uh, Henney came in? Or was that the playoffs? No, that was the divisional round against the Cleveland Browns. I'm not rooting for that. I'm not thinking about that. I just wanted to point out, because you said their quarterback room. And this is not Montana, Young, and Bono. Okay? I'm just throwing that out there. Just throwing that Who out there. Who wants to watch that? Uh, not me. Matt, let me tell you something. If, if that happens in the Super Bowl, I'm going to come in here and I'm, I'm, I'm serious. We're going to have a real problem. Me and you going to have some furniture oh, it's movement. it's my fault? Yeah, it's yes, going to be your fault because you put it in the ether. There's I don't want to no... sit there on Super Bowl Sunday and watch a game without Patrick Mahomes. I don't either. Okay. But you said the room. No, but, so that's why we didn't talk about it. We didn't even bring it up. Let me just also that, be clear. I'm telling you, if that happens, there's going to be some furniture moving on Monday when there's we come no to the There's no furniture studio. moving. No, there's going to be furniture moving. I will moving. run away. No, you, you can't run faster than me. There will be furniture <laughs> yes, moving. Yes, I can. There's no chance yes, in hell. Yes, I can. Evan, no shot. You can't run faster You cannot yes, run faster than me. I definitely can. Okay. By the way, there's something else that happened. As you were going He's through. Holding you. His stride alone would. As you were going through your power rankings, something happened here. Yeah, I'm looking over there. So it is known amongst this show. Nuno, not a fan of mine, okay? What? We get it. No. You don't ha- uh, yes. We don't have to be as overt as he is. I come in the first one here before Pat, Javante, anybody this morning. Nuno's here. I'm here. Audio on. He raises the volume of the audio. Does not say hello to me. Chris Carlin walks in. They're still hugging. I have never seen a longer hug. My wife and I do not hug as long as Carlin and Nuno hugged. It was a good 15-second hug. That was an <laughs> abnormally was a long, hug. long hug. We get it. 
We get it, Nuno. Very overt. Maybe you're just not huggable. I'm huggable. I hug uh, Rob, our our social guy. Rob, do you like it? No. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I'm just saying. I mean, can we be a little less overt? Is that possible? Why? Okay. <laughs> Back to I mean, you, Bob. Why? <laughs> okay. I guess not then. We don't that have to That sounds be. like a you problem. The fact that them embracing makes you uncomfortable. Oh, no. I don't care about the embrace. I care about the lack of acknowledgement of my existence is what I care about. I could care less. You didn't say it. hello to the man. He didn't say hello to me. I said hello to Pat the first, thing, the first thing that you He's do wrong. when you walk into the room is criticize Nuno. I didn't criticize I understand Nuno. Why I he couldn't did, hear. I can understand why he doesn't want to talk to you. Oh, wow. That's loud. That has a negative connotation. That's right. If that's how you that's greet right. me in the morning when I'm trying to do my job, I'm going to have a problem with and you. by the way. I'm it, not going to say hello to you. It's at an hour where there's a four that yeah, leads exactly. Come on. I'm going to match the energy that you give me when I walk in the room. Now, we're going to have to go Hogan and Savage here, the mega powers. We're going to have to come together, even though we may be rivals, Nuno. Can you acknowledge how loud that audio was? It was pretty loud, but I did not turn it. I I did not turn it up when you walked in. Now I have later maybe realized Mm. why he didn't give me the big hello, because he actually had a surprise for me, which was interesting. He walked over to the makeup room when Smalls and I were in there, and he gave me an autographed picture of Jay Reynolds. I mean, our Sports Center all night. Which Carlin, I know you don't have one. I have one up on you on this one. I have an autographed Jay Reynolds picture because I love Sports Center all Dope. night. And Jay Reynolds legitimately left me a Sports Center all night it's Jay so Reynolds faded. autographed picture <laughs> in a folder that Pat is fascinated by this folder. I think I used to use those in middle school. Yes, it, that's exactly what it is. I use those for book reports. Book report no middle doubt. school folder with the Jay no Reynolds autograph. To kill a mockingbird. Like Chris Conte. <laughs> Indian in a cupboard. So I will give Nuno credit on that. He did have the big surprise on that. We're Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.